0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. Today's message is called The Fruit That Matters, where Pastor CJ discusses the fruit of the Spirit that gets overlooked, faithfulness. Faithfulness is having an I-don't-quit attitude. God never quits on us. Let's be a people that never quits on God. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Take your Bibles. Let's turn out to uh, Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, it's on the thing. You know, when I was a kid, I want to talk to you today, the fruit that matters, the fruit that really matters in our lives. When, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I would go to my grandfather's house during the summertime, and I would go there during the summer, and I would learn how to milk, and I'd be there for three months. I'd be there from the end of May, June, July, and August, and I would do the, all the farming, and I would milk cows, and I would bale hay, and I would shock or stock grain. You remember they used to have the grain stocks and then you have to put them through the combine or the thrashing machine. And I would do all that as a kid. But one of the things that really intrigued me as a kid was it was harvest time, not only for grain or corn or everything else, but it was harvest time. For hickory nuts. How many ever collected hickory nuts? You know what I'm talking about? Or even walnuts? And you know, when I was a kid, I used to love that time, John, going to the trees and gathering all the hickory nuts and walnuts with my grandfather. But you know what? I never really knew what the hickory nuts were or what walnuts were. Because I never I'm just a kid and I couldn't really identify a tree, going out into the woods and identify a tree, but I could always identify the tree by the hickory nuts that it bore or the walnuts that it bore or produced fruit, right, and so I was able to identify, but if I would walk up to a tree without the fruit on it, I wasn't able to identify, well, that's a hickory nut tree, maybe you can, but I couldn't, I couldn't identify that that was a hickory nut tree, or that was a walnut tree, but I could identify it once it started producing fruit, and in Matthew chapter 7, and I have starting with verse 15, but you have verse 20 on your paper or your notes, but in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to the disciples, or the prophets, and you're saying there about false prophets or people that are in wolf's clothing. And how many of you know that you can identify people by the fruit that they bear, right? But watch what he says. He says, watch out for the false prophets. Watch out for those that maybe are, 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 are not speaking or teaching or preaching or living the right lifestyle that they should be living. Amen. So watch out for that. Watch out for people that uh, proclaim to be a Christian but don't live the lifestyle as being a Christian. The Bible says that even the demons believe that there's a God. James 2.19. Even demons believe there's a God. Anybody can say that you believe in God. Amen. Anybody can say, oh, yeah, I love God. But you can say you love God, but do you live for God? Do you live like you love God? You know, I love my pookie woman. I love my pookie woman with all my heart because of my love for my pookie. Woman. I want to show her that I love her and that I appreciate her by doing things for her, by treating her right, by acting right towards her. And then she reciprocates by doing the same thing. What I give to her, she reciprocates back to me. She gives love and appreciation and honor, which us men need, honor. She gives that back to me. And it's the same way with God. God doesn't want you to honor him with your lips because your Bible says you can honor you him with your lips. Lip service is cheap. But he says, I want you to honor me with your heart. Honor me with your lips, but honor me with your heart. He says, he got lip service is cheap, but action is deep. And where God lives is on the throne room of your heart. And God says, listen, out of the overflow of your heart, your what? Your mouth will speak. You will act out what's in your heart. You will think what's in your heart. You will respond to what's in your heart. In other words, what's in your heart is going to come out of you. Amen? So he says this. Watch this. They come to you in sheep's clothing. in other words they look good on the outside they look good on the outside it said but inwardly they are ferocious wolves so in other words they look good on the outside like a red delicious apple they look great but on the inside they're all bruised and you never know until you bite into that apple to find out that it's bruised is that right so it says this by their fruit you will recognize them Look at what Jesus is saying. Just like I did not know the hickory nut tree or the walnut tree, I didn't recognize that tree, and I couldn't walk up to it, Jessica, without going up to it and thinking, oh, that's a walnut tree. Oh, that's a hickory nut tree. And not only you guys can probably do that. But I could only recognize it until it was starting to produce fruit. You see what I'm saying? Then I started recognizing it. If I go to an orange tree, when I go to Florida, and when I was going to California, and all that, I could go up to an orange tree or, or a grapefruit tree, and I could recognize it by what? by the fruit that it bears. And you know, in Colorado, what happens in Colorado? They are big fruit producers. There, they produce the pears, they produce cherries, they produce peaches. They're all about fruit, grapes. And what happens in Colorado? Anything in Colorado? They have trees that are just in droves. You've seen the orchards there, and they have orchards, and the trees are just separated, just perfectly. That the branches are just barely touching each other's trees, and they the trees, and because they they've got them in straight lines and straight droves. And you know what those farmers do? They evaluate. Maybe you didn't know this, but they evaluate every tree every year. And what happens is, it's like a farmer with a cow. If the cow doesn't produce milk, what they do is they take the cow out of the herd. It's the same way what happens with the farmers there in Palisade or Fruita or, or Clifton where all the fr- uh, fruit growers are in Colorado where I lived. And what they'll do is they evaluate Deb the tree. Each year, they will evaluate the poundage of what the tree produced. And if that tree didn't produce a certain amount of poundage of fruit, what they would do, they would quickly, quickly, Greg, eliminate that tree, and the reason why is because that tree wasn't producing for them what they needed to make as a fruit producer, and so they would eliminate the tree, they would uproot the tree, and immediately, guess what they would do? They would replace it with another one, and the reason why is because they weren't wanting to carry dead weight or something that wasn't producing fruit. And so they would eliminate that tree with another one, and they would take it out, and put another one in, because they were always concerned about the fruit. And what Jesus wants us to be, He wants us to walk with fruit. You know, you ever heard that commercial? Follow your nose; it always knows that fruitful smell. The Fruit Loop cereal. You know what I'm talking about? The the the, the parrot, right? Follow your nose. I, hey, I got one. Amen. When the Lord was giving out noses, I thought He said roses, and I got a big red one. Amen. And uh, but but follow your nose, right? You always know the fruitful smell that Fruit Loops. But the key thing is fruit. And Jesus identifies you as fruit bearers. But people identify you as fruit bearers. That you are different and separated and called out and to be not amongst them. But you are of, of the world, but you're not part of the world. And what makes us uh, not part of the world is by we walk in different fruit. Right? Now watch this. He says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Look what Jesus is saying. He's using the parable to make them really stop and pause and think about themselves. And a lot of times what Jesus did when he spoke in parables, he wanted people to look inward at themselves. A lot of times when Jesus would speak, people wanted to look at, oh, it's his fault. It's their fault. It's a, instead of looking inward. So what Jesus was doing, he was making them take a look at themselves to identify themselves. Wait a minute. What does my fruit look like? Am I bearing grapes on thorn bushes? You see? So he says this. From thorn bushes or figs from thistles, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. Now watch what he says. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. Okay, a bad tree bears bad fruit. Palisade, what happens? They uprooted the tree, planted another one because it wasn't producing like it should. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. You see, the Bible says a salt water and fresh water cannot mix. You cannot mix them together. You cannot serve two masters. Otherwise, you're going to hate one or love the other. You either got to love one or love the other. And you, you can't serve two. You're going to be in a tug of war. And a lot of times, that's what happens with a lot of believers. You're in a tug of war, and you feel like Stretch Armstrong. This arm's being stretched. And then finally, you're being stretched over there. And you're being pulled in the middle because you're not being decisive in your decision Or your choice is about making the decision that I'm going to follow God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And when I do, out of that it's going to produce the right fruit. Amen? Now watch this. He says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Isn't that true? A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So he says this, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, Jesus, just like the farmers do with cows, if they're not producing a lot of poundage of milk or weight in milk, they eliminate that cow from the herd. The same way with the farmers there in Palisade and Clifton and Fruta and Grand Junction, Colorado area, they eliminate that tree because it's not producing fruit. And what happens is they're saying it's not worth expending the money or, or put, uh, trying to fertilize that tree or all these things or feed the cattle or whatever because it's not doing what the purpose of it's supposed to be doing. But he says this, thus by their fruit you will recognize you. Wow. So what makes us different as a believer? What makes us different as a believer is the fruit that we produce in our lives. That's what makes us different as a believer. You see, as I look at a police officer, I would never know that he's a police officer until he's walking with his uniform on. Otherwise, I see Judy, I love watching her because her hair is her, her trademark. I'll tell you, watch her ride a motorcycle and be behind her. Her hair is flying up here. I love it. It's great. You go, girl. I love it. But, but you can identify her by her hair. Every time she comes in, I want to go, bom, bom, you know, because she just got that hair, and I love it. So keep that. That is your trademark. Jan. That, yeah, I knew that was Jan. Jan. Judy Jan. Jan. I get them all mixed up. She was even on the interview board once. I know you, Jan. But, but I recognize Jan by, by her hair. And I recognize many of you by different ways and different your smile or your actions. I recognize Michael by his suspenders. And that's why every Sunday I want to go up and snap him, bam. And man, when, after a while, he's getting afraid to come around me because I'm snapping him too hard. Amen. So he runs from me. But I, I can identify people by, by how they act and dress and look or whatever. But the same way with believers. Can people identify you that you're a believer? Can they really identify you? You see, like I said, you can honor Jesus with your lips. You can say you love God. But the way that you can show people that you identify yourself with Christ is by the fruit that you bear. That's what makes the church different from the world. What makes the church different from the world is the fruit that we produce. How many of you really can honestly say at your job, you work with some cantankerous people? Amen. Amen. And when you work with cantankerous people, what do they do? They drain you, they get you upset, they get you mad, you want to give them the right hand of fellowship, you want to knock them out, and then repent later, and all these kind of things. Isn't that right? But they upset you because what? Of their fruit. Maybe they're gossipers, maybe they're not kind, maybe they tell a lot of stories that aren't true, maybe they're talking about you, whatever the case may be, but it brings agitation to you. So you're like, man, I, man I, I don't like to associate myself with that. But then he says this. Listen, if you have your notes, you can see on there. Believers in Christ are supposed to set the standard of life so that others can follow. How many know that's true? We're supposed to set a standard in life so that others can follow. You know, in leadership classes, when I go around, used to travel a lot. And when I used to travel all over, I used to talk about leaders. Leaders have this. They're supposed to either lead follow or get out of the way so if you are a leader you are always pulling up and not pulling down you're pulling people up you want to raise them up to become leaders to be able to help them excel inspire them to be better in their leadership and their role as leading people but a lot of times what happens is we got a lot of leaders that are being pulled down And what happens is that's the same way with our walk with the Lord, that a lot of times we have people that are pulling us down into their uh, valleys, into their struggles, into their situations of life where we are supposed to be setting the standard. And God wants us to set a standard that people can look up to that we're not looking down on. That we are looking up to. What makes Lisa different? What is tick than making her tick? What makes her be so joyful? What makes her be so happy? If you ever get around Lisa, that's her badge. Man, she is an encourager. She's always there to uplift. She's always there to encourage. Just like this morning, we're talking about missions and what we're getting ready to do. Man, she's just right there. And you know, what is your ID badge? What is your ID badge is the fruit that you bear for Christ. How can people recognize you as being a believer? People say, well, how do I know that you're a believer? I may know that you're a believer because you're exuberant, you're fired up. He goes to a good church there in Wisconsin, River Falls. He goes to River Falls where it's a good friend of mine that's a pastor there. And when he walks in the church, these two are fired up. Man, this guy right here, man, is like a fireballer. He went to the altar right away. I thought, man, we're having a repentance service right off the bat. Thank you, Jesus. I don't even have to go to church, amen. It's all ready to go. And, uh, but, but you know what I'm saying? You can identify we set a standard, amen. Amen. And here's another one. Believers in Christ are role models to a lost world. How many of you ever had a role model in your life? Amen. my role model was my grandfather. And uh, my grandfather, man, I'll tell you, he didn't really go to church because they lived way out in Timbuktu. and uh, But he did have his 10-pound Bible sitting on the coffee table. And, man, every day he would open up that 10-pound Bible with all the pictures in it. And that was good for me because I didn't know Jesus at all. But I like to look at the pictures. But you know what? He was my role model. And you know what he was most of all about the role model? He was so gentle, so kind, so patient. And I loved that character about him. He was my role model that I could look up to. And you know what? He was my hero. He was my hero that set the standard for me to chase after. Even though I was in my lost place of life, he still was a standard that I could reach up to. That, man, I want to be like my grandfather. He was my role model. You know, there's people watching you. Every day, people are watching you. That, Greg, you set a standard. Whether how high you set that standard or how low, people are watching you, how you're going to react. You know why? Because you carry the label that you're a believer. And believers are expected to be different from the world. Isn't that right? Now, watch this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is talking here, and he's talking to the church of Corinth, and he's saying these words, he says, follow my example. Man, follow my example. How many of you know that the best way to learn is by example? You know, I shared some time ago that I really learned how to shave. I didn't know how to shave. I didn't have a father in the house at the time when I started to grow little whiskers or a patch here, a patch there. It looked like the sheep were grazing on my face. But I didn't, to, I didn't know how to shave. I really didn't. So I was at my friend Slavor's house and uh, watching Kevin in the mirror shaving. And I didn't know how to shave. But he showed me how to shave. He didn't know he was showing me how to shave. I was just watching him, and then I went home and did what he did. But he set an example. And I went home and I did exactly what he did, and lo and behold, I got rid of that one goat. How many of you ever get that little goat hair right here? I get that, I, I get that little goat hair right here. You could pull it like a ventriloquist. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like, whoa, whoa. Oh. But you know, you, you, but Paul says, follow my example. Now, watch this as I follow the example of Christ. So, in other words, Paul is setting a standard. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So, in other words, don't follow me. Don't follow me if I'm making mistakes. Don't, hey, hey, man, don't, 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 don't. But follow me when I'm producing fruit in my life. Follow me, Dana, when I'm setting the pace, when I'm setting the bar, when I'm setting the standard, when I'm living the lifestyle. Follow me. Because I'm going to take you to a better place, and that's to Jesus, to the feet of Jesus, to the cross, to what's getting ready. Get ready. We're going to do something very special when we get back from summer and everybody's here and everybody's all away way from. Over on that wall, there's going to be something great. Wait till you see. It's already made. You'll see. It's in my office. We're going to do something very unveiling over on that wall right above Jeremiah's office. It's going to be so cool. Yeah, but it's already done. I, I'm so excited about it. But anyways, but Paul is saying, follow my example to the cross, to the feet of Jesus. Follow that example. But anyways, in Galatians chapter 5, so here he says, fruit. And when I was doing my devotions the other day, I, I, I love just having my time with God. And I read this, this passage of Scripture over and over again. How many can read the Bible, and every time you read it, something seems to pop off the page even more? Isn't that, isn't that great, how that happens? You know why that is? Because the Word of God is living and active, sharpening any double-edged sword. Amen. I wish I was the same size I was in high school. But you know what? i changed. But I'm alive. Amen. It's the, same, it's the same way with the Word of God. You know what? It never changes its meaning or its purpose or its word because God is the same. He is the great I am, never changing but it changes its meaning to you at that moment. I always say that the Word of God, what is it saying to me? So when I read the Word, what is it saying to me? How can I apply it to my life? And then thirdly, how can I help others with it? So every time when I'm reading the Word, what is it saying to me? Not to say to you, to rebuke you, and oh, man, i, I got to find me some fire, man, to get back at you, man. No, when you read the Word of God, what is it saying to you? How can you apply it to your life, and how can you help others with it? So that's why I always look at the Word of God. So here I am in my devotions, and I read this many, many times, but something popped out at me this time. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We all know that. That's the first bookend that holds everything together, right? Love. Now, you ever notice that? Here's the bookend that holds in joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you notice that love and self-control, if you lose self-control, you get angry, what happens? You blow all the other fruits out the window. If you have love, you walk in love, guess what's going to follow? Joy, peace, patience. All that will come together. But if you lose those two bookends, you know what happens when books lose the bookend. They fall off the shelf. They go on the floor, and you're a up picking up the mess. Isn't that right? That's the same thing with our lives. But as I was reading this, it really jumped off the page one particular word or one particular fruit, and that is faithfulness. You see, it's right in the middle there. And sometimes when we're reading, we're just like reading the newspaper. We just go right by it. We just kind of just go right by it. But he says, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And that really slapped me in the face. Faithfulness. And if you haven't noticed, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is this. Watch this. Faithfulness is it requires you to stay in there when others are running. Faithfulness. In other words, having a a, a pit bull mentality that I'm going to stay in there, that I'm going to stick in there when things get tough, the tough get going. Isn't that right? That I'm going to stay in there. Did you ever know? I did, you know, like I said, I'll be honest with you, Helen. I, I have to be, Lord, forgive me. But it really never hit me that way when I saw this the other day in my devotional time. Faithfulness. That that's a fruit. That people are watching you to see if you're going to stay in there when things get tough. Are you going to stay in there and fight the fight or are you going to walk away from this fight and go off and be your own lone ranger until things subside or subside and then come back to God and say, thank you, Jesus. But God's saying, no, one of the fruits of the Spirit is a stay-in-there attitude, an attitude that I'm not going to quit when things get tough. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to, man, shake my fist and say, I'm quit, I'm done, I'm over, no mas, no mas. No, it's staying in there, being faithful to the end. That's why Paul says, I fought the fight. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. And I finished the race. In other words, he had an I don't quit attitude. I don't run when things get tough. Did you know that that was a fruit? And it really, Judy, hit me right between the eyes. I kid you not. I thought, man, God, I, Steve, I missed that before. I could just read over that. And I never really saw that. But faithfulness is a fruit. Being faithful. You know what God says? He doesn't matter how fast you go or even how slow you go. All he wants you to do is keep going. He wants you to keep going. You see, sometimes our pace might be different from your pace, but every pace that you do, matter fast or slow, guess what? That means you're always one step ahead of the enemy. But when you stop, it allows the enemy to pounce on you, and misery loves company, and that's when the enemy comes in. When you quit, when you give up, when you throw in the towel, the enemy is right one step behind you. They'll pounce on you say, yeah, got you where I want you. Now I'm going to get you. That's why God says, remain faithful. It doesn't matter how fast or how slow you get there. If you're a rabbit or a turtle, just keep moving. You do notice what David said. We all can quote Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. David didn't say he was running. And you know what? I fear no evil. But he kept on walking even when he was in the shadow of death. He kept on walking. And then he said at the end of verse 6 of 23, he said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because David never quit walking. He never quit being faithful to God, regardless of the circumstances or pressures or struggles or temptations or battles that you go through in life. He was faithful to the end, and therefore God blessed him. Isn't that right? Right? Uh, faithfulness look at uh, you have your notes I love this faithfulness are, are 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 you all about trusting faithfulness is all about trusting believing and loving God and others when you don't see results God have you ever said this before God I, where are you God why aren't you answering prayers God how come I'm not seeing results and, this guy across the street seeing all kinds of results. Why? Why? Why me, God? Don't you love me? And you want to quit. How many of you know that's what the enemy loves to do to believers? He just loves to do that to believers. If you study Daniel, Daniel prayed 21 days. He could have quit after a week. He could have quit after two weeks. He could have quit after three weeks. But what was happening when he kept on being faithful the Bible says that when the angel came to Daniel and said, We were praying, they were fighting the battle for you the very day you were praying, even though you didn't see results. You see, listen, faith is now. Faith doesn't mean that you have to quit, and just because you don't see a McDonald's experience or microwave popcorn. It's hanging in there even though that you're not seeing results. That sees we're so result driven. Even when I go do leadership, that's what we're going talk about. When we talk about building churches, we talk about this all the time. But you know what? As believers in Christ, we're faith-driven. And that's why I love Hebrews 11 verse 1 where it says now, now is the day. Now faith begins. Now without faith. It says now. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 1. It talks about now Faith is. Now faith is. Now. So right now, you can start igniting your faith again. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you came today and you said, Pastor, I quit. I'm done. But let me remind you of Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now is a day of faith. Now is a day of new beginnings. Right now, I choose today to walk up and to rise up in new faith. Now. Amen. Faithfulness is having an I don't quit attitude. The I-don't-quit attitude, an attitude, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines how high you will fly. Your attitude determines your altitude. When your attitude can keep you down or keep you up. It's up to you. It all starts with a thought. Thought starts with a seed. A seed produces a tree. A tree produces the fruit. Everything starts with a thought. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that what? You'll be able to test whatever is pleasing and perfect in God's will for your life. You see what it says? So you're able to test and see what is good for you. But you see, you got to... Clean this up right here. Your attitude, your stinking thinking, your way of 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 measuring yourself with others, trying to keep up with the Joneses, comparing yourself with Johnny over there. That God, you're answering Johnny's prayers, but you're not answering mine. You see, your attitude, your attitude. You know, have you ever noticed why Jesus says throughout the Word of God, He says one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy? Let me ask you something. If you don't have joy going to your job, some of you are saying, this is me, Pastor. If you don't have joy going to your job, what happens when you go to your job? You dread it. Man, I hate going to my work. I hate going. And you know what? I find this to be true. When I was working at Fleet Farm, man, I had to get up at 5 in the morning, and I worked 12-hour days when I was at Fleet Farm. And, man, being on my feet all those times, I'll tell you. Man, there were days, I, man, I pushed the snooze button, hit it again, hit it again, and I didn't want to go to work. But when I had those days, guess what, those days that I had a stinking attitude, Guess what, that day went longer, Scott. It seemed like it was longer, it was more misery, it was drudgery. But when I woke up in the next day, I was excited about, man, I was going to put all these fishing lures up on the rack, and I was going to take care of the the, uh, ice fishing department, and I would have something to look forward to. It gave me something to rejoice about, and guess what, that day went a lot smoother. You see, what happens, your attitude determines also your day, your outlook on each day. You know why Jesus said, do you ever think about this? Now, I want you to think about this. Why does Jesus say, this is the day, this is the day right now the Lord has made? Then he says these phrases, I will rejoice in what? Be Be glad in it. Why do you think Jesus does that? Because your joy level. Your joy tank sets the pace for your day. Your joy level sets the pace for, for your day, for your excitement, your your, your attitude, your, your your where you're going to go and how your day is going to look. You are the artist that paints your day. You choose to rejoice or be sad or sorrowful or mad. It's up to you. That's a fruit. But see, he says, listen, it's a, I don't quit attitude. Faithfulness is staying in there when it seems things don't go your way. How many of you ever quit? My granddaughter is notorious. My granddaughter is eight years old, and she has a competitive attitude. Man, your your daughter, I love watching. Keep posting all those Facebook things. This is our next Olympian right here. I'm, I'm calling it right now. She's our next Olympian. And if you get it on Facebook, she is incredible gymnastics, and unbelievable. The balance beam, the tumbling. Can you show me how to do that flip? I'd probably break my back. But <laughs> this girl, this girl's like a Gumby and Pokey. She just bends everywhere. She's our next. I'm calling it. I'll call those things as though they were Romans 4:17. That's. I'm calling it right there. Call those things as though they were. She's our next. Olympic star. And then guess what? We're gonna replace the sign out there for that hockey player with this you didn't man, Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Right there. But you know, guys, listen, the thing is is that I don't quit attitude. My my granddaughter is notorious. She is such a competitor. And uh, we bought. We went to the dollar store because we got rained out when we just came back from camp. And, and one of the days we got rained out on Tuesday, and it was raining. It put 11 people in a pop-up camp, tent trailer. Figure that out. You ever play the game sardines? We were playing sardines in the pop-up tent camper. Well, my granddaughter, we went to the dollar store, and we bought those dollar checkers. You know, you can't miss it. big old board, big checkers. And she's so competitive, and she's playing my other granddaughter, Peyton. And she was she knew she was losing. She knew she was losing. You know what she does? She just intentionally but accidentally, right? Hits the table. And all the checkers go flying. And you knew what she was doing. She was losing. And she thought, I'm not going down, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go down this way. Oh, nobody wins. And you know what happens a lot of times? Do we not do that in life? When we feel like we're losing, when we feel like We're going behind when we feel like things aren't working out the way we anticipated them to happen or expected them to happen. What do we want to do? We want to quit. But I love what God says. And I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. Here's what the Lord says. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. So when you think you got God figured out and the plan figured out, that's when you don't because God will pull the rug from it and say, no way, nope, ain't gonna happen. I got different plans. You see, when we are faithful, listen to this, faithfulness causes God to react on our behalf. How many of you know that, like I said, when I treat my wife with love and honor and respect, She reciprocates and gives that back to me. It's the same way with God. You always hear me say this, but it's true. With every action, there's a reaction. There's a reaction. You take a rock and you skip it across the lake, what happens? There's a reaction to the skipping of the rock. And when I was a a kid, I used to to count how many times we can skip that rock. And whoever won, man, was was the rock skipper champion. You know what I'm talking about? And it's the same way with God. So when you remain faithful, God will show his faithfulness to you. Because after all, we always want God to be faithful first and then we're going to be faithful. You guys, we got it backwards. Listen, God was faithful first. He sent his son Jesus. So he was first. He took the first step. How much more could Jesus do? He laid down his life for us. So when we're always sitting there, God, you proved to me first, well, God's sitting there saying in heaven, what are you talking about? I already proved it to you. I already showed it to you. Did I not love you enough to send the very best and the only thing I had, my son Jesus, to die for you? That's why Jesus then says in James, He draws closer to Him, and then what? You draw closer to Him. That's your responsibility. How do you draw closer to God? By being faithful, staying in there, having a good attitude, having a good outlook, being positive, walking with joy. Man, being faithful. Then God says, You draw near to me, Greg. You draw near to me, then I will show you I will draw near to you. That's what He says. That's God, that's not me saying that. So then lamentations, look at Jesus' response. I love this. Here's Solomon, the greatest wisest man on the planet, is writing these words. He was in the the, the lows of lows of life. How many of you know we all go through valleys? but the ones who come out, man, you may come out burnt and singed and all these things, but you know what? You could still come out because God is for you. Who can be against you? God's going to help you, right? But look what he says. I, I love this. He was at the lowest of lows, maybe at a point where he could have quit. Let me ask you, have you, any of you had a massive army coming against you? You know? Has anybody here in this county, in this city, got a target on your back other than the devil that's coming against you that wants to shoot you? Maybe destroy you? Take your possessions? That's what he was going through. But look at what he says. Faithfulness. I remember my afflictions and my wandering. The bitterness of the gall. I well remember them. In other words, what he said, I, I, Dave, I, I remember those pains in my life. In other words, when you think of the word remember, that's past tense. In other words, Paul can say, uh, Solomon can say that because he walked through it. How did he walk through it? He was able to say, I remember because I was faithful. John, I was faithful. I was faithful. That's why I can remember them. I was faithful. I didn't quit, Dana. I didn't give up, Christy. I didn't give up. I was faithful. I remember them. They are a distant memory now. You know what? The past is behind me. My future is ahead of me because I remember my goal. I remember them. He said, my soul downcasts within me. Now look at what he says. This is God's response to you. Larry, this is God's response to you. This is what he says. Yet, this just gets me hell and excited. Deb, this is, just gets my tank jumping. Because he goes back to what matters most. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. That's God's faithfulness shown to you because of your faithfulness to him. With every deposit, there's a withdrawal. You're making a withdrawal from God. You're being faithful. Your deposit is on being faithful. Your withdrawal is God's faithfulness to you. That I'm being faithful. And God's my withdrawal is your faithfulness towards me. He says, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. This morning when I was getting ready to come, They were singing, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. Watch this. How great thou art, how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art Isn't that awesome God you your great Is your faithfulness. I say to myself sometimes get me. Hear me today, Rose. Sometimes you can't wait for the cheerleaders to come around you. Scott, maybe to embrace you. Others to embrace you. Sometimes you have to be your own cheerleader to remind yourself. You see what he says? I remind myself. I say to myself. I say to myself. Your tongue has the power in life and death and you will eat the fruit thereof. The fruit thereof. What are we talking about? The fruit. You will eat the fruit thereof. I have to say to myself. My God is faithful. Devil, get behind me. You have no authority. You have no possession. You cannot tangle with me any longer because God is for me. Who can can be against me? The battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. I say to myself, I say this, the Lord is my portion. In other words, He's my all in my all. (laughs) Therefore, I will wait for Him. Faithfulness. Psalms 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Why do you think God gives us one mouth and two ears? Be still. The Lord is good to those who hope, who wait, who are faithful, is in him. To the one who seeks him. Now watch this. He is faithful. To the one who seeks him. God is faithful. Jeremiah, will you go ahead? God is faithful. God is faithful because I always say this. You hear me say this because I believe it. It's something I keep in my heart. God is faithful because he's my daddy. He's my God. My God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. My God, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. My God is greater than all things that we face in our lives. But here's... Here's when we're wanting to quit. I want to give you this real quick. It's a quick exercise. Watch this. Watch this. When wanting to quit, number one, remember what God did for you in the past. Some of us have a track record where God's taken you from to where you are today. It's been so fun getting to know many of you, many of you, and hearing your stories. And hear where God has taken you from to where you are today. you got a lot to celebrate about. Sometimes you have to go back to those memorials, those monuments, those victories, those landmarks in your life to remind you if God was faithful then, He could be faithful again. Do you get that? If God was faithful then, He could be faithful again. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So sometimes you have to go back to those. Why do you think God gives you those things? When you go to a cemetery, you go to a cemetery, you see there's a landmark there, there's a stone there, and you say, in loving memory of so-and-so. You go there to remind yourself, that's my mom or my dad. When we went there to see Cheryl's mom the other day, oh, man, all we could do when we walked on that ground there at Fort Snelling was cry. And all I could do was take pictures of all the white stones. I got them on my phone, and we're going to use them in a sermon coming up here. But, man, all I could do was cry. Because you know why I cried? Because I remembered the loving care that her mother was all about. And sometimes you have to go back to your memorials, your landmarks, your victories, your places of defeat that you won. And you have to go back there and draw strength from them. I can do it then. I can do it now through Christ Jesus. All things are possible. Another one is this. Don't go by your feelings. Write this down. When your feelings are high and when emotions are high, Get this, when your feelings or emotions are high, your wisdom is low. Did you get that? When your feelings are high and your emotions are high, your wisdom is low. So a lot of times we base, we base a lot of our decisions on what we feel. I'm gonna tell you something, I love my kids to pieces. I love them to pieces, but as they were growing up, my son CJ, the one that spoke here the other day, he was a character. He was our clown of our family. He loved to pull all kinds of pranks and jokes and so on, and some of his jokes and pranks that he played was not too funny. And I love them to pieces, but there are times that I didn't feel like loving them. You know what? If I would've went on that feeling, I would've probably lost love for my son. And listen, if you always base your relationship with God and even in other areas of your life always on feelings, feelings are here today and gone tomorrow. You don't build your relationship with God on feelings. You build your relationship with God on faith. Faith moves mountains. Feelings bring valleys. Faith brings mountains. Feelings bring valleys. You get that? Because feelings will take you further, man. They'll make you do things, react when you shouldn't be doing things. Faith brings mountains. Feelings bring valleys. Reach out to others for support. Reach out. Don't be prideful. Two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst of them. Reach out. Reach out. Dave's one of my accountability partners. When I was going through it, Dave and Sherry, man, in their cabin, they sat Cheryl and I down at the chair and they prayed over us and man we reached out reach out and touch someone's hand make this world a better place if you can amen (laughs) lastly change your position you know what they say is that a lot of times meetings or things that you have is, is dictated a lot of times the success of your meetings and places that you have is by the atmosphere that you're in And so if you're in a dingy, dark room and you're having a meeting, guess what? It's going to bring doom and gloom to your meeting. And so they say there's a lot of different things. By the color of a room, you don't go into a room that's really dark green because it it, it brings like an anger type of attitude in the room. There's a lot of these different things, Michael, that they say about different things that you go into and settings. Sometimes, sometimes what happens, Michael, we need to change our position change your scenery change your outlook and when i'm going through a low time you know what are the greatest place is for me to do go for a walk Amen. I go for a walk and I just start changing my mindset, changing my position, changing my outlook, start seeing new things, start examining new things, start thinking about new things. I start reading a book. I love to read. Right now if you go in my briefcase, I have ten books now that I'm reading, that I'm in ten different books. I am such a smorgasbord reader, I can't just read one book and get all the way through it. I got to jump from here, jump to there, I feel like a frog on a lily pad. But. There you go. You like that, Lucy? You and I are sisters and brothers. Amen. But you know what? You got to change your position. Change your position. Get out of that place. Get out of that place of despair. You got to get out of it. If you know that that place is a place of despair, then walk away from it. Walk away. That man, if you're going through a low time, Chrissy, and you're all alone in your house, and he's on the road, and I'm I'm just using this as an example, I'm not saying she's doing it, but he's on the road, and you're going through a place of despair, get out of there. Call Val. Man, go for a walk, go outside, look at the trees, listen to the birds. When I was, man, going through Bible school, and trust me, when you don't know Jesus going to Bible school and you're just fighting out who Jesus really is, it's a big mountain to climb. So, you know what I used to do? I would go to my dad's house in Blair, Wisconsin, and I would go there and I would walk out into the woods. And when I go out in the woods, I take my Bible, and every time I go in the woods, I read the book of James. And you know what it reminded me of? It says, listen, you gotta bridle your tongue, pray for the sick, all those things that they would talk about in James. And I walk out of there, man. I'll tell you, and I was essentially going to squirrel hunting. I kid you not. Deb, I'd probably I was honestly taking my Bible and also going squirrel hunting. It never seemed to fail. I kid you not, Scott. When I go out there squirrel hunting, I'd read my Bible, I'd get tired, Mr. Sandman come along, I'd wake, I'd go, go to sleep, I'd wake up and there'd be squirrels everywhere. I thought it was a squirrel heaven. I said, Lord, brought me the manna. But you know what? You gotta change your position. And maybe, just maybe. You need to change your position today. Got to change your position today. Will you stand with me? Maybe today that you say, Pastor, I, I need to change my position, my outlook. I got this attitude, man, my, I want to quit. I want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. Pastor, will you pray for me? Honey, can you move that over there? I, thank you. Thank you. I need prayer, Pastor. I need to change my position. I need to just get a new outlook. I need to change my clothes as, as Lazarus had to take off those dirty grave clothes, those stinking thinking, those grave clothes that were sting, sting, uh, stinky and that were stale and represented death. Maybe some of you are reading, walking in death emotionally, spiritually. Maybe you're empty inside and you need to take those off. Well, the way you can take them off is, Saying, Pastor, I need prayer. And so here's what we're going to do today. I'm not going to have you raise your hands. I'm not going to have you close your eyes. Because I want this to be a time that you really mean business with God. And you say, Pastor, I'm going through some things in my life. And I just need to shake it off. I just need to get through it. And if you need prayer today, if you need prayer, we're not going to be long. But I want you to step down here right now. Can I pray for you this morning? I want you to just just receive this morning, everyone out in the crowd this morning. I want you just to receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every individual that is here right now. Father, if they're facing issues or situations or circumstances in their life, I pray that, God, that you will show yourself faithful to them. That, Lord, as they are drawing closer to you, you are drawing closer to them. Lord, you are meeting them right there where they're at right now. You're not going to leave them empty-handed. You're not going to forsake them. You are going to be with them. And I pray, God, that you will be the glory and the lifter of their heads this morning. Let the joy of the Lord be their strength. Meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, touch them from the crowns of their head to the soles of their feet, whether they need a spiritual touch, a physical touch, an emotional touch, whether they need a financial blessing, a breakthrough. God, bring that in store to them today. We thank you, Father, for these ones that came forward today. We ask that, God, you will meet them right where they're at. You say, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in their time of need. They are coming boldly, confidently. Lord God, assured that you are going to meet their needs according to your glorious riches. So, Father, thank you, Father, for that. Bless them, Lord. Be with us as we go to the picnic today. May we have a great time. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and amen. God bless you this morning. God
0: bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Well, it's finally here the Adventure Church app. We invite you to download it by searching either Apple App Store or Google Play, or simply text AC Siren app, all one word, to 77977 to get a direct link. You can also check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.